Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Here's a sentence I never thought I'd be saying. What's bad for Exxon is bad for the environment. Today on Parts Per Billion, we're talking about ultra-low oil prices and the weird problems that arise when so-called black gold becomes nearly worthless. Hello, and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. Hey, do you remember the 2000s? Specifically, do you remember filling up your gas tank back then? Well, I sure do. There was a period of time, roughly from 9-11 to the Great Recession, where oil prices basically just went up and up and up. They peaked in mid-2008 at more than $160 a barrel, adjusted for inflation. I don't think I need to tell you they're not there now. Thanks to the coronavirus and its global stay-at-home orders, people aren't driving or flying in oil is now at around $25 a barrel. Last month, expiring oil futures contracts actually went negative as people realized they had no place to actually physically store all of this crude. It's a wild situation, and a lot of the people are trying to figure out what it means for the energy industry, but there are also questions about what it means for the environment. If the price of oil gets low enough, and you can't sell it, and you can't store it, where else can it possibly go other than into soil or water? For answers to these questions, we turn to Rachel Adams Hurd, an energy reporter for Bloomberg News based in Houston, Texas. She says the reason why oil prices are so low isn't that hard to understand. Yeah, I mean, the world basically shut down and that meant people weren't driving, jets weren't flying, and that took a huge hit on crude demand, which just sent prices plunging. Um, So things have kind of stabilized since then. You're in the mid $20 range, but $25 oil is still far below levels needed to make money drilling new wells. Um, And then beyond that, you're seeing a lot of companies curtail their existing output, some of them because they have nowhere to put the oil and others because they just want to wait until they can sell that crude into a better market at a better price. Right. So I I will say there was a while ago where I saw something about oil going negative. So I guess that was just sort of a temporary thing. But it's really it's really more at twenty five dollars. That's the the price, give or take. Yeah, I mean, so so that negative oil trading day was interesting. Um, But it's a product of what happened with storage and what's continuing to happen with storage. In April, you saw the May futures contract actually go negative because people who held that contract, either big financial players or oil companies themselves, near the date it expires, they didn't have anywhere to put the oil. And that's because demand had just totally cratered. Um, So you just saw desperate selling and it was, you know, so significant that the price actually went negative. Um, But yeah, definitely an anomaly and and not something that's indicative of what we're going to see for the next year. 
But I, so I want to really get into that sort of lack of storage of oil because I feel like that's something that could drive some some environmental issues potentially. I want to ask you about that. Um, you know, what is it like where people are storing oil? I mean, you uh, you know, it's easy to understand in the abstract, like oh, there's just nowhere to put it. But what does that actually mean? Like, where what are these oil storage facilities looking like, and what are people doing with the oil that's not in those storage facilities? Yeah, so I mean, typically you have the most well-known storage facilities, which are in Cushing, Oklahoma. Um, but then you have these caverns all over the big oil basins and along the coast. And producers can store crude in those. They're like salt caverns. Um, and Texas actually recently decided to allow companies to store oil in non-salt formations. So, you know, that's an example of where you could have some environmental concerns. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many of these producers and other oil companies take the the state up on that offer to apply to store their oil there. Um, but I'm sure you're going to see some environmental concerns rising from this just because you do have groundwater contamination concerns anytime there's underground oil storage, and especially now that you're talking about opening up different types of formations for that type of uh, storage. Um, and then, you know, anecdotally, you hear of the cases of people getting creative of, of you know, looking to rail cars to store more oil and that kind of thing. And, and yeah, I think anytime you just have this rapid change in the overall market, uh, there's going to be concern that, you know, people aren't dotting their I's and crossing their T's as thoroughly as they would have when you have a more stable price environment. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, so those are two things that you brought up. One is that they're having to get creative to store this oil, which means taking more risks, I guess, with the environment that they maybe haven't taken otherwise. And the other thing is that they just may be less cautious or maybe more prone to mistakes for a number of reasons. One, because they're looking to cut costs. But two, also, I mean, staffing has to play a factor here. Like the, the industry is hemorrhaging jobs right now. Uh, I mean, do they have the people on hand to be able to make sure that this oil doesn't leak into water or into soil or, uh, you know, into even gr the groundwater that's used for, for wells? Yeah, I think I think the staffing concern is a legitimate one, but I have actually heard it more um, of being an issue at the wells themselves, because uh, you have you have all these people who help oil get out of the ground from the very early stages to you know in in some cases right now to actually shutting in production, um, and all of those people are on the payroll of these companies that are in extreme distress right now. Um, the Environmental Defense Fund has been conducting surveys on natural gas flaring, which is when at the wellhead you have producers getting rid of excess gas by burning it off. Right. Um, and their most recent data show that one in 10 of these flares in the Permian is unlit or malfunctioning, which means they're just spewing methane into the atmosphere, which is obviously very bad for the climate. Um, when I was talking to EDF about this recent price collapse, they said they do expect overall flaring to decrease because production is coming down. But they're still worried about methane leaking from these flares because oil companies are so dramatically reducing headcount. And with fewer people on the payroll, um, will monitoring these flares fall to the wayside? And so they're conducting another survey soon, and it'll be really interesting to see what the data from that shows. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about what happens if oil gets cheaper and uh, whether that means that uh, these oil companies will just dump it into the ocean. Stay tuned.
your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. All right, we are back with Rachel Adams Hurd coming to us from Houston, Texas. And we're talking about the environmental impacts of ultra cheap oil. So it sounds like it hasn't come to this yet, but I really wonder if oil gets even cheaper, you know, below $20 a barrel, that at some point the people who are holding on to the oil just say, you know what, I would rather get find by the EPA and just dump this into a river or an ocean, then find a new place to store this. I mean, is that conceivable or is that is that implausible? You know, I do think that it's a pretty big long shot that that happens on any, you know, meaningful level just because there's so much negative sentiment toward this industry already and it's past environmental and climate missteps that most of these companies wouldn't consider doing something as egregious as just dumping mass quantities of crude, even if the fines aren't significant. Um, generally speaking, though, I do think the more cash-strapped a lot of these oil companies get, the more environmental and climate considerations are at risk of falling even more to the wayside than they already were. Um, and one thing that does come up uh, when kind of thinking about that is what happens to abandoned wells when their producer goes bankrupt. Um, if they aren't properly plugged, you do have environmental risk because they're basically just open wells that no one's monitoring. And we're about to see a lot of bankruptcies. So now those wells are a small percentage of the thousands and thousands of the U.S., but that risk is certainly there. And we've already heard this issue raised. Yeah, and we should say that this is also comes at a time when the EPA has suspended a lot of its uh, enforcement activities in the oil industry and in other industries due to the coronavirus. Now, I think that they're going to resume once uh, social distancing orders are lifted, but that's still a, a short period of time where there's uh, you know, fewer staffing, uh, companies are cash-strapped, and there's less enforcement. It just seems like it creates a really bad, potentially a really bad situation for the environment, potentially. Right. Finally, before we, we finish, let's take a look at historical examples. Uh, you know, oil uh, is pretty low right now, uh, but it has been low in the past. There have been times where the price of oil has plummeted. Maybe not like this. Uh, maybe not to this extent. But we have gone through very low uh, oil prices. What has happened in the past when, when that has happened? Have, have there been environmental issues back then, and how did people deal with them? Yeah, so I, I mean, the oil downturn, the most recent one that everyone talks about, kind of when you're looking at this one of 2014 and 2016 or 2014 through 2016 was really supply driven. You just had so much shale production coming from the U.S. And this one is being spurred mostly by the demand side. I mean, all of a sudden the world just came to a screeching halt. In response, we've seen a lot of the shale producers curtail output. But I think 
as prices start to pick up again as cities reopen, it'll be interesting to see how quickly things ramp up. Because if you do have wells reopening and rigs popping up $5 from now, that's going to be somewhat keep somewhat of a lid on prices. Um, you know, what's interesting going into this downturn or or price collapse, however you want to look at it, is there had been some pressure from Wall Street for a lot of these companies to get better about their emissions reporting um, and to really come up with some sort of standardized way to be able to gauge how these companies are doing from an environmental standpoint. And it is going to be interesting to see just with a lot of these companies feeling so much stress right now, if that's still going to be a consideration and if, you know, this is going to really weed out a lot of the the bad actors who hadn't been taking those climate considerations or environmental considerations as seriously as some of the companies that have adopted more rigorous standards. So um, I think that'll be something that's really interesting to watch. But this is a collapse like no other. And it's really hard to compare um, what we're seeing today to what we saw, you know, even four or five years ago. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how, um, how this all shakes out. That was Rachel Adams Hurd, a Bloomberg News energy reporter in Houston, Texas. If you want more environmental news, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Josh Block and Marissa Horn. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jassar and Sky in My Pocket by Oliver Benjamin Green. They're used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.